Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Thank you, Jordan. And just want to thank you guys who are on the e-community. Thank you for your giving as well. God bless you. And uh, before we jump into God's Word, I just, just need to say a big thanks to the team who came out uh, this week and did some, a lot of it yesterday, but a lot of painting out in the children's ring, repairing of holes and things like that and walls, uh, getting ready for the, for the uh, project day on Saturday. But thanks to Ian Woody and Whitney Allen and Joe DeForest. And, and uh, so that more will be done back there. Uh, also, DJ Bell, thank you for coming in and doing electrical stuff this week. Appreciate you. Hey, also James Sheeler and, of course, more importantly, Paige Sheeler. They had a baby this week. So excited for them. Uh, they, they had a brand new baby. Her name is Jill. Joby Clementine Sheeler. I love it, love it, love it. Beautiful name, beautiful name. But I'm, I'm excited to get into God's Word. I'm going to have you turn to two places in your Bibles today. If you're at home, get your Bibles out. You need to see this in the Scriptures. Two places, all right? Joshua chapter 5, verse 2 is the first place, and Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Joshua 2 and uh, Galatians 5. Leave that up there on the screens while you're finding that. Uh, also, just I'm, I am very excited about the Partners Banquet tonight. And let me tell you why. It's because, and I, I've been sharing this with City Lifers now for a while. I began sharing this with the leadership circles back in, in March and in April. And, and I think uh, around May, I began sharing it with the congregation. But I felt back at the beginning of March that God was moving our church. God, God had, I think God had spoken to my heart. I feel God had spoken to my heart about an 18-month uh, season, and, and it was really broken into three different sections, and, and at that time was, was when things all of a sudden started unfolding with COVID, and of course, all kinds of other things have happened since then, but, uh, but, but I, I felt this. I felt that, that God was saying, I, and I'm not a prophet. Please understand that. I'm just a pastor, just a pastor. That's all I am. I'm not a prophet, so, but, but, I, but I felt God saying, this is for you. This is for your church, but there's a massive culture shift. There's a massive shift that's ahead, and, and your church needs to shift, your church needs to shift. And that doesn't mean we change anything about what we believe or who we are. That, that remains the same. But we need to, we need to be ready. And so, so uh, March through August is what I, what I just called, uh, I think it was around, around April. I was like, you know, this is the time of the wake-up call. This is the time of the wake-up call. And I wrote these words down back then. It's time to adapt and adjust to things. Adapt and adjust to what's going on around us. But then I felt that when September comes around, that would be a, a new season. And it was a time to, of reset and regrouping and repositioning. And, and man, that, that, that really started uh, back, in, uh, back in September. We had our partners regroup at that time and, and began moving forward. It, it, the, the, what the words God was telling to me about that season was time to plow deep and to lay foundation. And now, as, as we have our partners banquet tonight, I'm going to be talking about this third block of six months, which actually, interestingly enough, takes us right up to the next Jewish New Year, which is a time of new beginnings uh, and, and on God's calendar. But tonight, is, I'm talking about redesign of ministry, because this is a this is the season, this is the six-month season where I feel God saying, okay, now it's time to build. It's about redesign of ministry, begin new methods, and creating and building structures. So I'll be talking about that tonight, as well as, of course, on Sunday mornings here uh, for the next several weeks. But, but today's message title is to prepare your heart for victory. Not to prepare, but it is prepare. It's kind of a command. Prepare your heart for for victory. So write that down. There is victory ahead. And, and, and I want you to believe that and see this because God has miracles out there that he has already worked. Now, today's message is about you, though, about how you have a responsibility to prepare yourself to lay hold of the victory that's out there, to go ahead and get ready because God wants to do some things in you and through you so that you can actually seize that victory. And it's strong on my heart today. It really, really is. See, God, God has always chosen to work this way. He's chosen to work this way, and especially in the New Testament. God works through people. 
God works through people. God works through our prayers. God works through our actions. God works through uh, in, you know, our faith. And when we do this, then we begin to seize or lay hold of the victory that God has already won. It's interesting because the first song that we opened up with today, which wasn't my request or anything, but it just, we were singing this, every battle you've already won. I wrote that down here in my notes here because every battle God has already won. But, so, so, so the, the victory is already out there, but we have to lay hold of it. God works through us to lay hold of it. Now, I'm going to give you an example here, and I think this example would make a lot of sense because the, the, the parallels into what I'm going to be sharing today are very significant. So let's say you get a call from David McDavid Ford, okay? Any of y'all have been out to David McDavid out on the, on the uh, west side of town? I uh, love it. You know, it's always fun kind of, kind of getting out of there. If you don't leave the right way, you're stuck on, on you know, service roads for days. Uh, you end up in like Azel or something. I don't, I don't know. But, but but let's say David McDavid Ford gives you a call and says, we want to let you know you have now won an F-150 King Ranch. I'm just telling you guys. Do you, y'all realize that the, F, the, the F-Series trucks are the number one, have been the number one selling vehicle in the United States of America for, I don't know, like 25 years or so. And now you're getting the best top, you're getting the King Ranch. And only Texans really know what the King Ranch version is all about. Of course, other people don't even get it. But if you've been through South Texas, you know there is the King Ranch. But you get the King Ranch version, and they say, it's yours. It's yours. Now, see it this way. The victory is already won. It's yours. It's yours. Now, this probably isn't going to happen to you. But just this is in the natural world. But in the supernatural, God works it the same way. Okay, So the victory is already won, but you have to lay hold of the victory. You have to take the victory. So there are some things you need to do because all of a sudden you're realizing, well, I've always used public transportation. I know that's kind of a joke because nobody in Texas really just thoroughly uses public transportation all the time. But I don't even have a driver's license. So you have to go and get a driver's license. And then you have to go ahead and take a driver's test. So you have to prepare and do some things. You catching this? Prepare, you have to prepare for the victory. You have to prepare and do some things. And, and, uh, and, and then you've got to get license plates. And, and you've, got, you've got to get someone to drive you out there to the dealer. And then, and then when you get there, you've got to identify yourself. You have to de- declare, I am the winner. And you have to show some ID. And then, then you have to pay taxes. And then you have to uh, go ahead and they're going to have you fill out paperwork. And then they're going to talk to you about how you can have this thing. Like, just you, you will never have to make a repair on it the rest of your life and, and you have to do go through all these steps and everything all that's going to happen before you get the keys you see you've won it the victory has already been won for you you didn't have to do anything to obtain the victory but you have to do a lot to seize and lay hold of the victory and that's what i'm talking about today and i'm telling you church this is where the church falls short so often Because God has already won the victory, but quite often we just sit in our living rooms and we do nothing to prepare for the victory. So this is what's going to happen. You're going to see this in our text today. This is what was happening when Joshua and the children of Israel had crossed over the Jordan River and they were getting ready to take the victory that God had already promised them. You've already, you already have it, but they're about to take this victory of the promised land. God had already won it for them. Now, three weeks ago, I talked to you a little bit about this. I talked to you about these 31 obstacles. There were 31 kings that were in the way of them finally acquiring the full victory. And then the Sunday after that, I was going to share this message. But then that's when it was like snowing and everything. And, and here in Texas, if it snows, you don't have church, right? Isn't that, that how it works? You, know, you can't have church. So, so we went online and I was like, well, I can't preach this message online. I, I, I can't preach this message online. And the reason is, is you're about to find out. Okay. See, they had to do something before they could start taking these cities. They had to do something before they started taking these kings. All the men had to be circumcised. 
Now, I don't want, now, now, the reason I didn't want to share this just strictly online is because people would just turn me off. Now, if you're watching in the e-community, do not turn this off. Do not turn this off. And, and we, we also have a police officer out there in the foyer. Men, if you try to leave right now, there are going to be problems, okay? We need to hear this message. In fact, it was funny as I was preparing this, I, I realized, I've, I've taught on this before, but I realized that I had never actually uh, taught, through, taught an entire sermon on the topic of circumcision. So here it is today. This is just for you. And, and that's why I did not announce to anybody the exact topic of my sermon. It would just be a bunch of ladies here saying, preach it, you know. Okay. But I cannot let this go. I believe this is critical for us, and this is a critical message. In fact, this whole concept of of circumcision is found throughout the Bible, from the very beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, so it must be a big deal. Why is it such a big deal? Well, we're going to find out today. So before we go into Joshua chapter 5, and not, don't, don't turn there yet, I want to give you some critical uh, foundation. I want to give you some education on, on the foundations of everything you're about to see unfold in Joshua chapter 5, okay? See, God commanded that his people be circumcised for a very simple reason. Follow with me. Circumcision, what it was, is a cutting away of the flesh which marked a person or marked a man as a follower of God. So this was a mark. This was a physical mark. Uh, and, and Jewish males are still required to do this. It's called Brit Malah in Hebrew. That's what, they, that's what they call it over at the synagogue. So if you were to say, I want to convert to become a Jew, they would say, okay, you're going to have to go through Brit Malah. And I've been over there, and they show me the room where they do all that. And I was like, okay, you know, I don't want to, say, I don't want to know about any of this, la, la, la. And, and uh, you, you guys do, do what you're, you're going to do. But, but what it means is, is it, what those words mean, Brit Malah, means covenant circumcision. Covenant circumcision. That's why it's Brit Malah. And this is a, the physical sign that the Jews use to, to show they have an indelible relationship with God that cannot be changed. So Jews performed it at that time, and they still perform it today. And they, they perform it on the eighth day of a baby boy's life. And they also perform it on male, uh, males who are converting over to Judaism. So circumcision is actually part of their conversion process. And again, it's found throughout the Bible. But really, there are two types of circumcision that I want to make it very clear we're talking about today. There's the Old Testament, which is the physical circumcision. That is the, the literal uh, marking of the body. But in the New Testament, it is, called, it is spiritual circumcision. And you're going to see how they are really one and the same, but they're different, but they're still one and the same today. Now, understand this. Everything in the Old Testament, which was the Old Covenant, Old Testament means Old Testimony or Old Covenant, everything that's in the Old Testament is types and shadows of what is going to be unfolding in the New Covenant. We live today in the New Covenant. We live in the era of the New Testament. That means Jesus has given his life. He shed his blood for us. And so so we live under the New Covenant covenant. But under the new covenant, please understand, circumcision is still critical. But I'm talking about spiritual circumcision. Now, this caused a huge debate in the church. And for me, I am one, as a pastor, I just have to say, I'm grateful they had this debate back in the first century and that it doesn't have to be a debate for us today. But it was a huge debate when people started getting, Gentiles started getting saved and they were wanting to come to church and and they were saying, okay, now you're going to have to get circumcised. I'm like, oh, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. And so there was this, there was this problem that was erupting and there were these people called Judaizers that were trying to force it on, on the churches and, and uh, say, yeah, you can serve Jesus, but you have to do this. So what happened is this became such a big deal that all the church leaders, they came together and they had a big convention. They had a big council. They came together and they discussed it. They looked into the scriptures and they prayed and they sought God. And they, they, and actually, just to be honest with you, this is probably the biggest controversy that you actually find in the New Testament. So if you read the New Testament, the epistles, that's what I'm talking about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, story of the life of Jesus. But after that, you're going to start dealing with issues of circumcision. You're going to see it in about half of the books that are in the New Testament because it was the biggest issue of controversy at that time. And 
they came together and they hashed it out and they, they came to this conclusion. Physical circumcision is not a requirement for when a person converts to Christianity. But spiritual circumcision is. Now, again, we find the, the, the beauty of this, we find what this means when we look at the Old Testament passages of Scripture. Now, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, I didn't ask you to turn there, you can if you want, but I'm going to have it for you on the screens. This is where God first commanded it. Okay, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully, this is important, and be blameless then I will make my covenant, that's the word, my covenant between me and you that will greatly increase your numbers. Okay, so look at this first. Abraham was commanded to walk before God with faithfulness, and that was part of the covenant, okay? That's part of, that's part of how the relationship works, what was then is a shot type and a shadow of what is now, because then God goes on to say, and we're going to have to do, we're going to mark you physically that's going to go in conjunction with this walking of faithfulness. So in verse 9 of that same chapter, it says, Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. So there, there is no ending of this, you see? There is no ending of this. So there's this, this concept, this type and shadow of circumcision began here, and he doesn't say it's going to end at a certain point. He says, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. So he's driving the point home. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to, un you are to undergo circumcision, 99 years old, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Now, the circumcision itself, the physical act, is not the covenant. It was the sign of the covenant. The covenant was about Abraham walking faithfully before God, okay? So this all started with Abraham. It, this, uh, this, this issue of the circumcision, it predates the law of Moses, okay? So it is still a new covenant, a New Testament principle. Circumcision is the sign of the covenant, Again, but it's physical circumcision in the Old Testament. New Testament is spiritual circumcision. Now, this is not a really huge issue until Moses is about ready to cross over into Egypt. He'd had this encounter at the burning bush with God, and God spoke to him, Go, and I'm going to work a miracle for you. There's victory ahead. You're going to walk into Egypt. You're going to do these things. There is victory. I've already given you the victory, Okay. That's what God, God told Moses. You're going to have to do some stuff. But, but Moses is on his way over there. Now, Moses had already been circumcised, but Moses had never circumcised his son. Okay? Now, God already told Moses that he would have victory, that he would deliver the Israelites out of slavery and bring them, uh, bring them out to take the promised land. But... <laughs> He had to have faith, take action in order to get that victory. And part of that, we see it described in a very strange, bizarre passage. It's found in Exodus chapter 4, verses 24 through about 26. You can read that on your own. But in this story, God is about to kill Moses. He's on his way with his family, and they're going to go in, into Egypt, and they're going to take the victory, but God's about to kill Moses. Thank God we're not in the Old Testament, okay? Remember, it's all types and shadows. So, so, so if God's about to kill Moses, you've got to understand, God takes this thing very serious, okay? And so he was taking his son and they were about, in his family, and they were about to ready to go into this battle for victory, but he wasn't circumcised. So there was no mark of the covenant on his son. A lot of people say, well, we don't know why. And it could have been that Moses was scared. No, hey, I take him to, to Egypt. They're going to see that my son, I'm getting ready to get in a battle. They're going to find my son running around or whatever, and they're going to realize, oh, he's a Jew. Well, let's just go ahead and kill him. I don't want my son to die. I mean, that could have been a, a, just a fear that was there. We don't know. I don't know the motivation. The Bible doesn't go into that at all. But the Bible does make it clear he was about ready to step into this thing of trying to take the victory that God had already given him, but he had not followed through with circumcision for his own family. 
see, get this. God was about to scrap his plan of using Moses and find someone else and start over. Get this. That is how serious for us spiritual circumcision is. He was about to acquire this victory. God had already won it on his behalf. He had to go get it, but he had to do something first, all right? So Moses' wife, she hurriedly circumcises their son and all is saved and she's mad at him and it's kind of a weird story. You can read it on your own. I can definitely, there are parts of the Bible that are weird. That is one of them, all right? But Moses then takes his family, he goes in and he acquires the victory and he delivers God's people. And so at this point, this is somewhere between 1.5 to 2.5 million people People he's now taking across the Red Sea and he takes them back to probably, the scholars believe he probably went back to the same place where he circumcised his son. He got them out of Egypt and then they stopped. I said, okay, now every male has to be circumcised. If, if you weren't circumcised yet, you have to be now. And so everybody was physically circumcised. So that all happened. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. Many of you guys know that story. And so they're ready to move into the promised land. At this point, Moses is dead, but this, there, this, there is a... Actually, there was something that happened before that. There was something that happened at the mountain. I, this, okay, yeah, this is really important. I got to bring this up. When, when Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, he came back down. Now, keep in mind, all the people were already... The men were already circumcised at that point, so they had the physical mark. But he came down off the mountain, and they were worshiping an idol. And Moses became angry with them, and he, you know, there's, a, again, a very, very beautiful, crazy, intense story that's there as well. But the, the problem was they were physically circumcised, but they were not spiritually circumcised. They weren't living like it. So you can read this story, and this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 10. So what Moses does is Moses then comes and tells them, you are missing it. You've got to circumcise your hearts and stop being stiff-necked. In other words, circumcise your heart and stop being stiff-necked means I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I have a will of my own. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Do you get that? Moses said you've got to circumcise your heart. That's the first time we see that in the scriptures. And stop and write with it, same sentence, stop being stiff-necked. Stop trying to do what you want to do. So now, this is now a time where we see a very clear connection in the scriptures between the physical circumcision, which is a sign and a symbol, to the spiritual circumcision, which is really what God cares about. See, clearly... Circumcision was much more than a physical mark. It was a commandment to serve God wholeheartedly, like you told Abraham, in holiness. And what really was required here more than anything else was faith and obedience. And to simply not be insisting I'm just going to do things the way I want to do it. All right? Okay, so again, they get through the wilderness. They, they're, they're ready to go into the promised land. And now God says, okay, but now it's time. You've got to prepare your hearts for victory. And, and, uh, and really that's, and I, and I just want to mention this to you again. If you're going to take victory, if you're going to take the victory God already has for you, if you're going to take it, you've got to prepare your heart for the victory. There is a victory ahead. God has secured it for you. I don't know what your victory looks like, but you have to walk in faith and obedience in order to acquire it and from everything I see in the scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, there's spiritual circumcision required to do that. Now, our text for the day is Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. Again, Moses is dead. Uh, Joshua is leading uh, Israel out to conquer the promised land, to acquire the victory God has already given to them. They've just crossed the Jordan. And now, surprise, God told Joshua, okay, stop everybody. You can't acquire the victory I've already given you until you're circumcised. <laughs> and for some reason, some in the wilderness, obviously during those 40 years, fathers stopped circumcising their sons. So now you have a whole new generation and we pick it up in Joshua chapter 5 verse 2. Keep in mind what they're conquering in Joshua. As, as they take the promised land, there's a direct parallel there between the promised land that God has for you and the things God has for you, okay? Joshua chapter five, verse two. 
at that time, they've just crossed the Jordan River. They're ready to go. The Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Someone had made a joke earlier, said we should give away flint knives to everybody on your way out today. I said, no, we're not going to do that today. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeth Haraloth, whatever that is. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but the people, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, what he's saying here is they were physically circumcised, but they never circumcised their hearts. Therefore, they don't get to take the promise. Wow. Yeah, that's a wow. There were only two that were allowed to, and it was Joshua and Caleb. This is a serious issue with God. And, but I'm smiling saying it's good stuff. This is good. It says, so he, God, raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they, uh, re remained where they were in camp until they were healed. So that would have been about three days. So again, God get this, God did not want his people to go and acquire the victory that he had already won unless they had been circumcised. So the important truth here is circumcision precedes the victory. This is important for the church, guys. This is something the church misses constantly because, and one of the reasons is because we don't, we don't like talking about circumcision, do we? We don't. We don't. I, I, I have not been happy. I was like, I, I argue with God quite a bit. I mean, hey, I already put this whole sermon off by a few weeks. I, I can't do it online. I have to do it with people. I have to look people in the eye. I don't know what they're going to be doing. They're going to be turning me off. I, I don't know. So it, it's, it's not something necessarily fun to talk about, especially as a dude. But <laughs> I, I'll tell you this. The church needs to hear this because I believe this is one of the reasons why so many victories that are promised are never actually laid hold of because hearts are not circumcised. Now I want to talk to you about your heart. You have this three-part being, your body, soul, and spirit. Here's the teaching part. I want you to catch this, okay? Your body is physical. Um, your, your, your spirit is a part of you that is born again when, when, you, when you give your life to Christ. And there's your soul. That's also known as your heart, sometimes called the flesh. That's where your battle lies. And that's really what we're talking about here. Paul said this in Romans chapter 2, verse 29. He says, circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. So this new covenant circumcision happens in the soul. It happens in our heart hearts. That's why I keep saying, prepare your heart for victory. Now, what is your heart? Well, let me, it's not, it's, it's not the organ that is beating in the center of your chest, okay? Yeah, I know that's your heart, but, but we're talking about something that, that's, that's different here. We're talking about your soul. So, so what happens is by the Holy Spirit, the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit circumcises the flesh of our hearts, which is the, the place of our mind and our emotions and our will. Three important parts. Our soul, our flesh, our, our, uh, our hearts have three parts. It's our mind, it's our emotions, and it's our will. But we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to then cut away the flesh. It's a work that God does, but we have to allow him and we have to cooperate with him. And there needs, that means there's some changes that need to be made in us. In other words, there's some stuff in your soul that needs to be cut away. It could be ways of thinking, emotional responses and reactions, or like, like Moses said, the stiff-necked things you're doing. I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm not going to honor God. 
the word for the, this is called spiritual circumcision. But the cool thing is we actually have a word for it. So we actually don't have to run around saying spiritual circumcision all the time because every time you say that, it freaks people out. And, and I was just thinking, you know, if I were to count the number of times that I've said the word circumcision in this message, there'll probably be more times than I've said it in my entire life, okay? But the word, the word that, that is given to us in the New Testament for this is called sanctification. Now, that's a church word. It's, it's called sanctification. Some of you heard it before. Some of you haven't, but this is what we're talking about here. Sanctification is this. Here's your definition. It's separation from evil and being set apart for God's work. I'll say it again. Separ- uh, sanctification is separation from evil and being set apart for God's work. And it begins, sanctification, sanctification begins when we give our lives to God, when we give our lives to Jesus. So the separation from evil begins. You cooperate with the Holy Spirit to cut away areas of your life. And any, these are areas that would hold you back spiritually. And these are, fundamentally, these are areas of your life that are going to prevent you from seizing and taking hold of the victory God already has for you. He's already won for you. And this is the mark of the covenant. In other words, Christians act different than people in the world. That's it. You act different. You are different. It sets you apart to do great exploits for God. So talk about sanctification. Now, first of all, you are sanctified when you're born again but you are also being sanctified. So at the moment you believe, when you confess faith in God, you are immediately set apart from sin. But sanctification is progressive. So this whole thing of spiritual circumcision, like in the Old Testament, is just like Mark, okay, boom, I'm done. No, but it actually signifies something that continues. It continues through your life as you are being transformed into the image of Christ. And it happens as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow God's work to take effect in your life. So you hear God's word, you read God's word, you receive God's word, it begins to take effect in your life and sanctification begins to work. That's a much better word to say, isn't it? But what, it, what sanctification is, it is a cutting away of the flesh. Now I want you to look at the second passage I asked you to look at today. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Because this actually gives us a clear, very clear picture of the things God wants cut out of your life. Uh, just a little bit of a background here. Um, the churches, in, there are these, these churches, we believe this, the book of Galatians was written to probably not one church, but a, because it was a province. So it was probably a letter that was sent to a variety of churches that Paul had planted in this province of Galatia. And uh, the, the, there were teachers going through there that were forcing men in the churches to be physically circumcised. It was really hurting their evangelism efforts. It was really bad for new converts. So, so Paul writes this letter primarily Galatians is primarily written to, to let them know they don't have to do this. They don't have to do the physical circumcision, but there is something they, need, they do need to do. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, he talks about what needs to be cut away. Now, this is referred to as the works of the flesh, or I, instead of the word works, I like the way the NIV puts it. It, says, it calls it the acts of, uh, of the flesh. So these are actions. These are things you do. Okay, that, that spurred on, that, that start in your mind and your emotions, your will takes over, and then you do these things. And these are the things that have to be cut away. Now let's read through it. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, jel- uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, now I want to stop here for just a second. That's important to see. Those who live like this. So people who adopt lifestyles of this. Not to say that you do something like this once, but if you have adopted a lifestyle of this, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. So in other words, get this stuff cleaned out because God wants you to have victory. (laughs) The ultimate victory is, the ultimate victory is heaven. See? Okay. I want, to, I want to go through this list, though. And I, that's why I wanted you to see it in your Bible, because I want to explain some of the things about it. Because some of these words, we don't really know exactly what they mean. And I've done the research for you. So I've gone back to the Greek language, and I've looked at what these words mean individually. Sexual immorality is the Greek term pornia. It's where we get our word pornography. Um, and, uh, and this sexual immorality is broken really into two categories. There are two categories of it. One is adultery. That is having an intimate relationship with another person outside of your marriage covenant. 
The other one is fornication, which is involvement in an intimate relationship with someone uh, before marriage. So God deals with that right there, okay? The second one that's mentioned is impurity. That, that's, that's a general term. That just means moral impurity. It doesn't mean that you have impure hands if you forgot to wash it. It's moral impurity. The next term is debauchery. Again, it's a term we don't use very often. What that means is moral filthiness, lewdness. It means unashamed uh, de- indecency, unbridled lust. It, it means arrogantly sinning in broad daylight in defiance of public opinion. You know, that's a good word for that. What Moses would have used is being stiff-necked. You're just, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Idolatry. Uh, that is the worship of an image, which is in reality demon worship. Witchcraft. I want to give you the Greek term for this because this is a term that we hear as well. Uh, witchcraft, the, the Greek term for that is pharmakia. Across the street is a pharmacy. What's the connection between witchcraft and the pharmacy? Well, yeah, let, let, me, let me just help you here with it. It's important for us to understand this. This term, witchcraft, pharmakia, means uh, medication and magic. It primarily speaks of the use of mind-altering drugs. And secondly, it addresses the use of drugs when it's associated with the occult. Understand that now. The occult has heavy use of drugs, so this is one of those things. So if you're involved in that, that's one of the things that needs to be caught out. Another one is hatred. That just that means just just hostility. You're constantly hostile against people. Discord. That word means that you're always quarreling. You're always arguing and quarreling. The next term, jealousy. I I, I want to give you the Greek term for that, which is zelos. Zelos, which is where and we also get our word zeal, but it means like an uncontrolled zeal. It's an it's a it's an unfavorable zeal. It's a negative zeal. It's malice that you just can't stop. You're malicious. The next one is fits of rage. This, this is defined this way. It's defined as passion, like you're breathing really hard. It's fierceness. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't mean just getting angry at something. It is this indignation, wrath. It is an exploding anger. Uh, some of you may experience that or you've seen that where there's an explosion of anger and, and you've got to run away just to keep your life safe. Now, that is called a fit of rage. Next one is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Now, this is good because this is, a, and I, I think there's, there's a lot that Americans need to hear on this one too. It's this is a, is defined as a departure from honorable work to dishonorable intrigue. It refers to a person who's only concerned about their own welfare. It's a person who is susceptible to being bribed. It's a person who selfishly seeks out opportunities only for his own promotion. Next one is dissensions. That means causing division or a spirit of divisiveness. Next term that we see in this list is called factions. This work of the flesh, this deed of the flesh, is instigating or participating in a faction of disunity, which literally means when you disunite yourself. The next term that we see here is envy. That is ill will or jealous spite. Okay, the next term here is drunkenness. So most of you are thinking beer. Well, actually, it's a whole. It's more broad than that. And some of you, you thought you, you heard the, the talk about pharmakeia, and you're like, oh yeah, well that has to do with drugs and witchcraft. Well, it's actually drugs are brought brought into this category on drunkenness because the Greek term is called methe. Ever heard of meth? It gets this term from here. All right. This is where it comes from. So this means being intoxicated, and it's much more broad than alcohol. The next one is orgies. And now that's actually a broad term. What it means is just letting loose intoxicated, riotous actions. It means to carouse. And then at the very end of this, Paul just says, and the like. In other words, and other stuff like this. So he's saying this is not an exhaustive list of things that we could cut out of our lives. Now, as I was going through that list, some of those things, you go, oh, I'm just fine there. I'm just fine there. And I hit another one. And you're going, okay, let's move on, Pastor. Move on, move on, move on. That's a little bit painful. Oh, did you say painful? Yeah, because that's what circumcision is about. 
it's pain that it even inflicts a scar and, and it's something that needs to go though. Now you see why I didn't do this just strictly online. I hope you guys are still watching online. Here's my question. What are you going to cut away so you can begin to acquire the victory God has given you? Are you going to allow sanctification to work in your life? See, in this setting, even right here, God's word has been presented. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The beauty of it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to everybody in different ways right now, all over the place, in different ways. So that's the beauty of it. God has tailor-made this message for you. But the Holy Spirit is not going to force you to change. He's not going to force you to do this. But the victory he's already acquired for you still remains in the balance. So again, the challenge is prepare your heart for victory. Church, I believe that we are entering into part of this this season that we've been going through. Um, Started about a year ago. We're entering, we, we have entered into, and we're going to continue entering into this new era. And uh, I remember when I was a child, oh, I was probably about 13 years old. I was at my house, we were listening to a television preacher. And I don't remember who it was. I don't remember anything about the sermon, but I remember him saying this. He said, there's going to come a day with, with Christians where there's going to be a time where we're going to have to separate the men from the boys. Now that's not really a gender issue. What, what is he saying is some people are going to, Christians are going to have to either stand up or just go play with your toys. You're going to have to be light and darkness. I remember this preacher saying, saying there will come a time when it will be very obvious who the Christians are. I believe we're entering into that season now. We've blended in too long. The victories God has for you, church, he has them. He's already won them for you. Some of you, you even know the things God's spoken to you, but God is now telling you to cut some stuff away. Sanctification, let it have its work. Spiritual circumcision. And what I shared may, well, from that list, none of that may have even applied to you. It may be something different, but you know what it is because Paul at the very end says, and stuff like this. <laughs> this is not an exhaustive list. This kind of gets our minds going, gets our minds to thinking. Okay, what is, the, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? The sign of the covenant. Old Testament was the physical circumcision. The sign of the covenant, new, new covenant, New Testament in our world is that we live different than other people. That is the sign of the covenant. And we have intentionally cut things out of our lives with the help of the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to move forward and claim victory. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to pray first of all. I'm going to pray two prayers. I want want to pray. If if you've never accepted Christ into your life, now's the time to do it because, because this begins right there with salvation. God, God just got to immediately separate you from sin right there. He, and and you're, you're, you're going to heaven. I want that for you. Just all across this room, will you just, will you just uh, move your heart into just a position of humility before God? Just close your eyes. I just want to speak to everyone here in this room, those of you who are watching online also. If you're not in right relationship with Jesus, I'm going to just ask you to please make the choice today to serve Christ. I want to pray with you. And the best thing that you can do is to lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to pray this prayer with you. And I, and, and, and I, I want you to just lift your hand up. And what will happen is I'll see you. I'll connect my faith with you. And then we will, be, then we will pray this prayer together. And you will move forward into this new covenant with God. If you're online, please let someone know. There are people watching all of our live streams out there. And people who would love to pray with you, let them know, I would like to give my life to Christ today. And someone will pray with you. But I want us to all do this together. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ today, would you just, in the quietness of this moment, it's just me who's looking right now. Just Would you lift your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. Lift it up so that I can see it, so we can pray together. 
Just have the faith to say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray right now. Church, I want you to pray these words with me as encouragement to those who are praying it and giving their lives to Christ. Pray this out loud. If you're watching a live stream, you're watching this by video, pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I give my life to you. Thank you for washing me in your blood and making me a new creation. I accept the challenge to be a part of covenant with you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want you to remain in an attitude of prayer. Because as we move into this next prayer, this is where I'm asking you to consider what it is God is asking you to cut away. And usually God won't give you the whole list right now, but he'll bring one up and say, okay, this, this is, I really want you to deal with this right now. Because keep in mind, sanctification is progressive. It, it does take time. He's not going to force you, but there are things you need to cut out of your life. I'm not asking you to say it, to tell me what it is, but you do need to talk to God about it. You need to say, Holy Spirit, I, I need this. I, I need this to be gone. I want to seize the victory that's ahead of me. I don't want to be left hanging here on the other side of the Jordan River, not able to go into battle to take what you've given me because I'm just not willing to let sanctification work. What is it? What is it? Just all across this room, will you just quietly, very quietly, just tell God, God, here it is. I'm, God, I'm asking you to cut this out of my life. Come on, just ask me. God, I want you to cut this out of my life. Cut it out. Take it out. Take it out. Take it out. Take it out. I'm done with it, God. I'm really done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with this controlling me. I'm done with this. And I want you right now just... If you'll just, all across this room, if you'll, I'll tell you what, I, I want you guys to stand. You stand, and if you're at home also, I want you to either stand, but I, I would love everybody to just lift your hands to the Lord right now. I'm, gonna, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray a prayer over you of breaking of the power of the enemy in your life, okay? Breaking of the power of the enemy in your life. I want to pray a prayer for you. Praying this for everybody who's listening and watching and everyone in this room. On, lift your hands up. Lord Jesus, I pray over this room and I pray over this platform. I pray also over all of our all of our media streams that's going out right now. I pray that in the name of Jesus, there will be a cutting away of the flesh. There will be a cutting away of the things that bring you pain, the things that hurt your heart, God. God, I pray that, that it will be cut away, that it will be gone. And every spirit of hell that is attached to those things, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I say, get your hands off of God's people. Get your hands off of God's people. I pray for addictions to break in the name of Jesus. Spirit of addiction, spirits of immorality, spirits of wickedness, spirits of witchcraft, be broken in the name of Jesus over God's people. Spirits of rage are broken in the name of Jesus over God's people. Oh God, God, spirits of lying, spirits of iniquity, spirits of self-serving, arrogance, broken in the name of Jesus. We cut it away with the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, now I want us to sing this song, I Will Build My Life. And I want you to sing it, lift your hands up to the Lord. I want you to rejoice because there is a breaking. There's a cutting away today. Come on. I want you to sing that chorus. Come on. I will build my life, right? Come on, sing the chorus. I will build my life. Come on. I want us to go with that chorus. Jump into the chorus. I want that top, 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 top. Come on. Come on. Give me that chorus. Come on.
because we can come before God and God will heal, God will restore, God will cut away demonic strongholds, God will cut stuff out of our lives. But then there are other things we need to do to keep letting that happen, to keep making it happen, all right? So the next couple Sundays, and I may go longer than that, I'm going to be talking about how we do that. It's some powerful stuff because I want you guys to be free. I want you to go in and I want you to have the victory in your life. That victory is out there. It is yours. Jesus paid the price for it. Jesus already paid the price for it. And now it's time for you to in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.